Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and aspiring theology professor. I want to thank you all for joining us, whether you're on your morning commute or tucked away at home. We're just so glad that you're taking some time today to hang out with us. So before we jump into this week's letter, Jessica, how was your week? What's going on in Jessica land? Well, Jessica land feels very fallish um, this <laughs> last week. It's it's fully October and it feels so lovely. Yes. Um, the crazy bathroom leak saga is finally coming to somewhat of a close. <laughs> I feel like the climax is behind us. We're in that denouement um, section. Oh, So still needing to get um, some things taken care of, but largely feeling a lot more rooted and at home and cozy, those, those kinds of feelings. So great, mm. grateful. I'm feeling very grateful. Oh, that's wonderful. I feel like you don't even know what a blessing having a bathroom is until you don't have one. It's very true. Yeah. Well, this week kind of whirled by for me. And I feel like that always happens in this time of year because I see the finish line of this year just up ahead and I'm, you know, hurrying to reach goals and just enjoy the last bits of nice weather before it just gets really terribly cold outside. <laughs> so I can often forget that I live just a few minutes away from Central Park, but this week I was able to take a stroll through it. And it was honestly just incredible to me how something so simple, 20 minutes outside made me feel totally reset and refreshed and just more connected to God. So if it's been a little while since you've been outside, like truly been outside for the purpose of taking a walk and not just going to the store. I encourage you to carve out just a little bit of time this week for that and take some tea along with you and just enjoy the last bits of warm weather and the orange leaves everywhere. All right. Well, let's move on to our letter for today. It deals with what it looks like to find yourself in a season of waiting while yearning to find a way forward. And I will say this is a longer letter today, but I think it's important to read it. So here we go. Dear Wallflower, I'm a 26-year-old Christian, nearly three years into living in a new city. Though I'm not in a relationship at the moment, I desire marriage and a family sometime in the hopefully near future. I've prayed to God and asked him to help me not make an idol of marriage and have a spirit of contentment. But as I live in, move into my late 20s and I see women my age getting engaged, married, pregnant, and even reaching milestones with their boyfriends, I can't help but sometimes have mild anxiety for the future. I've been on about a handful of dates in the past year, but I haven't come across any single men whose values truly align with mine and who are also looking for marriage. 
I don't want to settle out of desperation or loneliness or because I want to beat the clock. The messaging for single women coming from both Christian and secular sources doesn't help either. Some women, uh, some tell women to go out and find a husband because God helps those who help themselves, but other quotes Proverbs 18.22 and encourage women like me to be still and wait on God. I find myself leaning into the latter advice because it's not in my nature to pursue men, but I also can't help but think I could be doing more to position myself in environments where I can possibly come across my future husband. I believe church is a great place to do this, but most of the men in my church are either already married or too young. I dabbled in Christian dating apps as well, but took an indefinite break from them. I love Jesus. I'm in good shape. Keep up with myself and my femininity and always try to be kind to everybody I meet. God is always working on me because I'm not perfect. And I'd like to continue to grow into the woman he wants me to be and who a marriage man material would want too. I send this letter really to ask how I should go about balancing my I'm sorry, balancing contentment with my desire for marriage. Should I be more aggressive with my search or should I just continue to be prayerful and hope that Mr. Wright shows up on my doorstep? If taking a more active approach, how should I go about meeting Christ-loving single men outside of church? If taking the more passive approach, how can I prepare myself for the possibility that I may get married later in life or not at all? In this season of singleness, how can I be patient and keep my eyes focused on God while also keeping my heart open to earthly love? With love, single Sue. Wow. All right, Jessica, what are your thoughts for single Sue? Yes, my thoughts. I definitely feel like I lean toward and uh, personally in my own approach took a largely, um, quote, passive approach to use single Sue's terminology. Uh, but I would like to say a bit more about it since uh, while it may be relatively passive compared to an active approach of pursuit, I mean, especially, you know, like using dating apps, for instance, or otherwise being very aggressive in, in person as far as pursuing a relationship, um, to be more passive does not mean that you are still or inactive. I think the approach has more to do with one's motivations and heart posture. So the core of single Sue's question is this, how should I go about balancing contentment with my desire for marriage? Mm. Um, and I also just want to say here at the start too, that I really appreciate her honesty and willingness to share this vulnerably in this question. I, yeah. I see myself here. I mean, even though um, I didn't go through these feelings as, as far along in my life as she is like not in my late twenties. This was more me in my late teens and early twenties, but I definitely have felt these, um, these things I can identify with the yearning for a relationship with yearning for marriage while wondering where I would ever find a man worthy of my standards. Mm -hmm. And let me also just say quickly, like continue to have standards. I think that's a very important thing. When I say that worthy of my standards, I don't want that to come across as some kind of selfish or lofty or even perhaps arbitrary set of things that I alone was looking for. Uh, the standards that helped me to recognize my husband as a potential life partner were based on what scripture and the Christian community had taught me was yeah. a man worthy of praise, um, a man after God's own heart, as we might say. So of course, we all have different personalities, different likes and dislikes, et cetera. 
So we may need to recognize where we might have unrealistic images of the quote, perfect guy, but it sounds like single Sue is on the right track. You know, she doesn't want to settle out of desperation or loneliness or a sense of beating the clock. She desires to be with a man who shares her same values. And those are the most important standards uh, to have and to uphold. Well, I can't promise what single Sue's future may or may not hold. I do think that I can say in good faith that God cares about her desires. Mm. He cares about all our desires. Um, when we desire marriage, which is a good thing, God sees that. He He's not a vending machine, you know, and will <laughs> not dole out the perfect husband just because we yearn, but he is a good father who gives good gifts. What single Sue touches on here in her letter is essential, not making marriage an idol. This is a vital place to begin and a posture that needs to remain. And this holds true for those single, dating, engaged, or married. Marriage is a good thing. Yes. Uh, but it should never become ultimate. God alone deserves that place for us. Yeah. Um, if I could dig into my own personal story a bit here, um, it was when I finally set aside my focus on finding a man to date or to marry that God actually finally brought my husband into my life. Hmm. And so I can't say that, Oh, just, just surrender. And then this guy's going to show up on your doorstep. That's obviously not how it works, but, um, and, and he works differently in each person's life. And so I can't just say that, Oh, look, this happened for me. So maybe it'll happen for you. Yeah. But I do, I do find it hard to believe that God would give us what we have been waiting for if and when we've been putting it on a pedestal. So my encouragement here is not do this so that God, you know, gives you what you want, but it's, if you've been putting marriage on a pedestal, you really can't, you know, I don't, I don't think God's going to bless that posture, Hmm. um, if that makes sense. So I I think about um, Abraham and Sarah And this idea of like making an Ishmael, like he doesn't trust uh, God's promise to him and, and thus, you know, goes about having an heir in a different way um, (laughs) versus the way that, that God has planned. So again, I'm not saying that I know that God is necessarily going to give single Sue um, marriage in her life or not. I I hope he does. If that's, if that's what she really longs for, it's such a blessing to be married. Um, but just to use that example in the sense of rather than just trying to take control and take the reins and do what you want, it's a, it's a matter of saying open-handedly got to give this to you. Mm. So again, I'm not stressing this idea because it's a magic formula, but because God desires to bless us and he asks that we give him ourselves completely. Yeah. I think if and when we hold back our desire for marriage, sinking to control things ourselves, that actually might be keeping us from any number of good things that we might be missing out on. Mm. Um, I remember uh, this is this is a hard uh, a hard a hard thing that I just want to want to share that we all any of us seeking marriage may need to go go through. Uh, the day that I prayed to God, my willingness to remain single. Um, if that was his will for me, this was one of the scariest prayers that I've ever prayed. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to share that because I think that something inside me at that point in my life feared that if I had prayed that prayer, that a willingness to remain single, that God would say, finally, another volunteer, you know, <laughs> would keep me single for life. But, um, that's not who our God is. 
Mm. Now, this is not to say that singleness can't be its own blessing. It certainly can be. And the apostle Paul makes that very clear, but my heart in that time longed so dearly for marriage, yet it was so vital that I came to the point of renouncing my vice grip on it. God needed to have me completely before he could bless me, whatever that blessing would turn out to be. So all this to say, praying a prayer of surrender is not a surefire way to lose what you want. You know, that God doesn't just say, oh, you don't, you don't want it. Okay, great. And it's like, no, he knows that we still want it. We're just saying we're willing to release that, you know, our father's heart is, is generous and good and beautiful. He's not malicious or capricious rather Mm -hmm. um, prayers of surrender, open up our hearts to be receptive to what God has, whatever the specifics or, or the timing. And when we surrender our desires and entrust them to him, I think we're better poised to be able to hear and discern his direction to um, his mm. will for our lives. So this has all been obviously quite focused on posture and approach. Again, what, one that I would largely identify as passive as far as single Sue has defined in her letter, but I believe it is actually far from passive. It is a posture of active trust, mm. active surrender and active li- uh, living out of her life. It's not a waiting for her life to start as if, oh, my life will start once I find that man. Like, no, don't don't wait to live your life. Live live your life now. Yeah. Um, uh, the passive aspect has more to do, I think, with the fact that I don't want her to, or sorry, I don't want to advocate this idea of like a do it in your own strength approach or it's yeah. all up to you. Um, it's more of a um, continuing to live faithfully yeah. and trusting God in the midst of that. So I'll just wrap my advice up with a few practical suggestions. They're not super specific because I think they have to be lived out in um, single Sue's particular context. Mm-hmm. But I would I would say three things. Um, first, um, she said, you know, how do I how do I meet potential um, guys to to date or marry? I say, be be where the great men would be. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, keep in mind, you may meet someone where you least expect it too. You never know how the Lord will, will work. I've known some people who just randomly met their future husbands in a coffee, a coffee shop. It was like, oh, the tables were full and we ended up sitting together to share a table and struck up a conversation. So sometimes things just quote randomly happen that way. And it's lovely when, yeah. that, when that, when that occurs, but at the same time, like she said, being at church um, and at, at maybe other kinds of community, communal sorts of events where um, like-minded people would be, is a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, secondly, I'd say continue to surrender your heart and desires to God. That's just something that we always ought to be doing to keep, make sure our, our, our motivations and our hearts are, are in the right place. And then just keep on keeping on. That'd be my last suggestion. It sounds like she's already in a good place, um, with her relationship with the Lord and, um, even in just how she feels about about her own self-image and whatnot, just say, continue to walk in faithfulness and um, trust God, God to lead you. Mm. That's wonderful advice. I, what especially stood out to me was saying, don't wait for your life to start until you have found this future husband. That that's such, such good advice. I I really hope, um, I really hope single Sue heard that. I, I want to start off by saying thank you for sending in this question. 
Thank you for your honesty and your openness. I know a lot of women who have had the exact same struggle. So this is a really important topic to cover, even coming from two women who aren't facing that same issue right now. Um, And first, I want to applaud you for recognizing the importance of if you are looking for a guy who's husband material, striving to be a woman who is wife material. That is an ingredient that I have seen get lost far too often. So I'm glad that's something that you've been pursuing. And I just want to give you a little bit of praise for that. But to speak to your question about whether you should wait or act I don't think the answer comes down to either or. And what I mean is throughout scripture, it's clear that we, you know, we see through stories of even men and women, you know, Esther, Abraham, or David, we see that God likes to interact with the world through us. And like any other relationship, it's a give and take. We wait and act, we listen and obey. And, you know, faith without works is dead, right? So, It's about being wise enough to know when it's time to act and brave enough to act on it. And of course, there are some people who act too quickly before God speaks and, you know, they jump into things without praying and reflecting. And this is unfortunately how people find themselves in unhealthy relationships. Then there's also the issue of God asking you to step out in faith and not ever doing anything about it because it's really scary. So there's a balance with God where we listen and act. And I think this is just never ending when you're in relationship with God. And I'm assuming that you are someone, I can tell from your letter that you are someone who's invested in reading in scripture and talking to God and seeking out wisdom from others. Um, If you're not the type to act as much, it might be the time to challenge yourself to act on the wisdom that you have cultivated through being in God's presence. And to get very practical here, you know, you mentioned that you tried dating apps, that you've tried looking around at your church. A couple ideas that come to mind is you could just first try changing up your routine, going somewhere like a coffee shop or a park at a time that you wouldn't normally go. And that sounds really simple, but you just might be surprised at who you run into and who you meet and who you never would have seen because I never go to this coffee shop on Tuesday afternoon, you know? So that's one idea. Another idea is you could sign up to volunteer for a cause that's close to your heart. Once again, putting yourself in an an entirely new environment also with someone who clearly has something that an interest in common with you. Um, You could also let your friends set you up. I I know this can often feel like they end up sending you on a date with a guy and the only thing you have in common is that you're both single, but I've also seen this work really, really well. So if there is a guy that your friend has been telling you, and this is a friend that, you know, you trust and you think that she has good judgment, but if she's been telling you that you would be a good match, try listening to her. And another thing to do with friends is you mentioned you've looked around at your own church And it seems that the men there are either married or too young for you. Maybe your friend's church has a small group that has 
people that you're, that are your age and you could possibly meet someone there. So don't only look at your church, even if you don't, you know, end up switching churches or anything. I know it's difficult to find a church that you um, connect to when it comes to the teaching. That's really important first and foremost, but look around at other churches, small groups. That's an entire world that you would have never found otherwise. And the last thing that comes to mind, this sounds very strange, but I have seen people try speed dating and it has worked for some people because you have the opportunity to take like, it's like dating and tapas form. It's like bite-sized dates that you can just kind of quickly assess. Okay. Is there anybody here? Okay. That guy was cute. And maybe we kind of connected on this. Maybe I could move forward with him. And you do this all in a really short time span rather than spending weeks and weeks on different people, if that makes sense. So those are just some practical suggestions. Um, I apologize, by the way, for any background noise. (laughs) This is living in New York, everybody. I'm really sorry. Um, All right. Getting back to my, um, my advice. So another thing that comes to mind is when we are searching for a life partner, sometimes we can be so concerned with spotting red flags and dodging them, which is very important that we end up missing out on recognizing green flags. And sometimes green flags are going to be present where we did not expect them. We live in an age where we are consistently shown these images of what our ideal spouse should look like. You know, he should be this tall, this rich, this handsome, all these things. And sometimes the people with green flags might not look like the image that we already cast in our mind. Mm -hmm. Your Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Your Mr. Darcy might not look like Colin Firth, you know? (laughs) That is the danger of living in a media-driven age, isn't it? Yeah, it it truly, truly is. And I've seen it affect uh, enough people in my life that I think this is something important to talk about. Um, it does sound like you've been trying to go on dates, but from what you mentioned, none of the guys are matches for you when it comes to values. And so what I'm wondering is if you are focusing on going on dates with guys that match initially the image of what your ideal mate should look like. Um, so it could be time to reevaluate your checklist when you decide to go on a date with somebody. And of course we all want a handsome man. Even that doesn't just have to do with facial symmetry. It's not about not being attracted to the person you're with. I do want to stress that. It's not about that. It's about evaluating the things beyond the physical that you are also attracted to, whether that's humor or kindness or loyalty, because after all, we are looking for someone who's going to be there in the good and bad, a life partner. So think about and set your sights on finding the green flags that might just be a little less obvious than I like the way he looks, which is obviously a wonderful thing. Um, Now to tackle your question about maybe getting married later in life or not at all, there's a lot of things that culture says that we should do by a particular time, that we should go to college, that we should have this money, this much money, um, do this thing by this age. But we really can't allow this to dictate the way we live our lives because you have a particular unique story 
to tell with your life. It doesn't have to look like your friends or your moms or your sisters. So if you get married later, see this as an opportunity to cultivate a life that you're already happy to live well before you become someone's wife. And use this time to wait well. And like Jessica said, this looks like active waiting, not passive waiting. So get therapy, read books, become deeper, seek out God, continue to seek out God. It sounds like you already do that. Do do work that makes you happy. Volunteer for different causes. Find friends that you know will be there for you. Also, I'll slip this in. We often find in our partners, or I'm sorry, we often find our partners just by being out and about and doing things that we love to do and by setting ourselves apart by being a well-rounded woman by doing these things. Um, And to your last point, what if I never get married? I won't pretend like this is an easy thought to have. Aside from the cultural expectation of getting married, especially in Christian culture, it's natural for us to hope to have someone there for us, to take care of us, to love us. But if we as Christians truly believe that God is the center of of our life and our, our universe, then we can allow ourselves to find both peace and purpose in that. Some of the greatest women in history never got married. It didn't stop them from living a life they were happy to live and they made history doing and living that life. So ultimately, you're you right in your sense that, that you don't want to allow marriage to become an idol. So God truly is the center of your story. I do think he will bless you as you live out your story, however that may look. So once again, single Sue, thank you so much for sending in this letter. It really was an honor to get to speak into this. Yes, I agree. And um, now... It is time for our Maybe Suggest segment of the podcast where we suggest to you the things that we've been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really, really happy to be alive. So Jessica, what is your recommendation this week? My recommendation, um, it's a little bit different than the categories I think that we tend to recommend in, but I just thought it was so fitting Mm. based on, I don't know, the idea of what brought you joy. Um, I finally got to attend an event yesterday that I've been wanting to go to for years. It's an annual event called Women, Work, and Calling. And the reason I can recommend this is that it's not just an event. It's a website. So you can go to womenworkandcalling.com. There are other resources available there that you can um, look, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> no. Like just, just I resources that you blanking. can draw. Yes, from. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a good word. I'm so sorry, but yeah. So you could just look look through the different resources that are there. Slash, if you're interested in you know being a part of, of it, attending the event in person or online next year, you can kind of plan ahead for that. But basically, one thing I just love um, about the whole mindset it um, this main quote, I think that that's up on their website. It was yesterday. It was a big, huge, you know, thing you could take a picture by with this, this quote that just is such an encouragement, uh, encouragement to us is the world needs who God made you to be. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an encouragement to women when, um, particularly when we're, I think in the church, especially when we're told, oh, well, maybe, you know, women are just supposed to stay at home and be mothers. Or if yeah. you have a job, it has to look this way or that way or whatever. Um, so to have a space where women can be encouraged and be resourced all the way from CEO of a company, you know, to working mom, maybe, or maybe just stay at home mom, you know, who maybe yeah. isn't quote working in, in the sense of like earning a living, but maybe wants to get back out in, into work or do some kind of work from home. Um, the world needs who God made you to be. And I think that's such an encouragement that we're each unique in our giftings and our callings and what our work looks like as women is really unique. And so I just found it such an encouraging event to be a part of and speakers to hear from, et cetera. So again, take a look at um, the resources available, womenworkandcalling.com. That sounds incredible. The the world needs you to be who God created you to be. Is that, is that what it was? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you got the gist. I'm glad I was like close. You were um, very close. It was, it was well done. I would, I, if I, you know, if I was grading you, I'd give you an A. Good, good. That that's honestly, that is the type of thing I would put on a post-it and put in my bathroom that I look you know, into the mirror every day. I'm doing my makeup. I'm getting ready. That is something that is worth reminding yourself every single day. It's like a pep talk, but it's like really brief and it's, it's true. Yeah, it, it really is. That's incredible. This week I'm suggesting my favorite lipstick, which I also think happens to be a beautiful color for fall. And that is the Burt's Bees Lip Crayon in the shade Redwood Forest. And it took me a while to get into lipstick because growing up, I was really just a chapstick girl. This was the first lipstick I'd ever had that I actually loved. And I didn't feel like it was sticky or it just like looked like I just smeared a bunch of jelly all over my face or just like ended up on my teeth. It is such a rich red color, but it's not overwhelming. So it's definitely a good everyday lipstick. And it's just really creamy and stays on really well. And it converted me into being a lipstick wearing lady. So definitely check this lipstick out if you are at all on the hunt for a new lipstick or want to just get into the world of lipstick. Burt's Bees Lip Crayon. To wrap up this episode... Before we go, Jessica, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you've been up to? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Wonderful. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials. I'm on Instagram at kelia.clarkson. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal. We always have new articles coming out every single week about relationships and beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.